Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. To be here. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tracy and I am not the pastor, but I am part of the team here. I'm the director of ministries, so I oversee a handful of different ministries around here. But today, on this beautiful Thanksgiving week, I get to bring a message that I believe that God has given me specifically for you. And so we're going to go ahead and kick this off today. You ready? All right. Then we are going to turn to our Bibles in Luke 17, starting in verse 11. And we're going to read the whole thing today. Luke 17, starting in verse 11. And if you are new here or if you're visiting from out of town for Thanksgiving week, I just want to say welcome. I am so glad that you are here, that somebody brought you. If you just stumbled upon us today, I hope that you have a gift in your hand, that somebody found you before service and put a gift in your hand. If you don't have a gift and you're new here, you could go ahead and stop on the corner on your way out and get that. And as we read this, I'm going to have everybody stand to their feet because I think there's power when we stand and we read this. So in Luke 17 verse 11, and if you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. He is Jesus. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his feet, face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. God, I'm so thankful for this time. I'm thankful for every person in this room today, everybody that is listening online. I know that you have given me a word that is going to pierce the atmosphere today. I ask that it take good root that it plants a seed in somebody's life. God, I ask you to move through me. I ask that I hand this message over to you and that you use every part of who you've made me to transfer something to someone else. I ask that it is helpful. I ask that it heals. Over this next bit, I ask you to move. In your amazing name, amen. Amen. You could go ahead and have a seat. So Thanksgiving week is by far my favorite time of the year. It is right up there for Christmas with me. It is one of my favorite times, but I know that every single time that November 1st hits, that there is a huge debate that happens 
every single year. And that's whether or not if Thanksgiving decorations are coming out or if we are just skipping all the way through and Christmas decorations are coming. By a show of hand, who has skipped over Thanksgiving? And oh man, there's some of you. And have just went ahead and put your Christmas tree up. You have, there's so many, shame on you. There is a way, there is an order to all. Don't start waving at me, I see you waving all hard. No, there is an order that this needs to happen. And I'm gonna go ahead and end the debate for us today. Let me walk you through how this is actually supposed to happen, okay? So here we go, November 1st, Thanksgiving happens, okay? This is when you can go ahead and take all of your Thanksgiving decorations, your fall decorations, you can take out your pumpkins, and from November 1st to Thanksgiving, you put out your Thanksgiving decorations, okay? And then still, right here, this is not when you get to just move past it right after Thanksgiving happens. You don't just get to go full force. There is a Saturday that happens right after Thanksgiving, and the Ohio State Buckeyes play every year. They play some team up north, I don't know. But right after, they win, right? You can then, there is this space of time. You can get louder. I have the mic. I'll get louder for you. Right after they win, there is this weird space of time that happens between right after Thanksgiving and December 1st. And this is your opportunity, all of you who had your hands up, that you can go ahead and Frosty the Snowman can come out. Your Christmas tree can come out. I don't care if Santa Claus ends up on your roof. This is your time that you can do that. I don't get what you don't understand about it. It blows my mind. And if I haven't upset enough of you in the past two minutes, then I'm coming for the rest of you right now. Because then there is always somebody, none of you in this room, because you are amazing, that come to me every single year when I have this debate and say, well, you should be thankful every day. I am thankful every day, but that does not mean you get to skip over Thanksgiving. You best believe that I have my Thanksgiving decorations out, and after the Buckeyes win on Saturday, my Christmas tree is gonna come out. (laughs) No, (laughs) but in all seriousness, No matter how you've decorated, Thanksgiving really is my favorite time of the year. It brings back so many memories for me, so many good memories in my life that I just absolutely love the season. My amazing husband, who has been dealing with me for the past 24 hours, proposed to me Beyonce style 14 years ago on Thanksgiving Day. And yeah, that deserves a prize right there. 14 years ago, he proposed to me in front of our family, around the Thanksgiving table, and let me go ahead and address this really quick, okay, because I know some of you are like, she just waved her hand and she don't have a ring on. I'm okay. Babe, do you have your ring on? Yeah, I knew you didn't have yours on either. He is, he never ever has his ring on, but don't worry. I promise you our marriage is good. We are fine. It, my stone fell off. It's at the jewelers. I had, I didn't get it back in time because I was so nervous about today, but I promise we're doing okay, okay? So now that that's out of the way and you are no longer staring at my hands, it is one of my favorite times. Our oldest kiddo was actually born Thanksgiving week. He was born the day before Thanksgiving. So we spent our first full day as parents in the hospital room. And it's just an amazing time in my life. I remember all of it. I love the changing of the seasons. So I grew up in California. 
and you didn't get this type of weather out there. You had a very standard weather. And here, I absolutely love the changing of the seasons. I love when the leaves fall, when we get some snow, not too much snow, but just enough to make me smile. And I absolutely love it. And I remember growing up being around family and just growing up with my cousins, and we would get in all sorts of trouble at these family gatherings, right? And then some parent would snatch us up because we've got in too much trouble, and they've put us at a table and we would have to go around and say what we were thankful for. Does anybody else have that tradition where you sit there on Thanksgiving Day and you go around the table or you go around the room or you go around with whoever you're with and one by one you say what you're thankful for? Does anybody else have that? Yeah, I love it as an adult now, but it has so many different variations of what people are going to say at the table, right? Some people just come, I'm thankful for my promotion, I'm thankful for my marriage, I'm thankful for my kid, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for my education, I'm thankful for that. And then you always have somebody, it's typically teenagers, I have two of them, who are thankful for the most randomest thing, like pizza, right? They're just up there going, I'm thankful for pizza. And dare you ask the third born, born child, the youngest of all that. For those of you who have gone before me and have adult kids, I want to say that you did not prepare me for this third child. They are fearless because this child of ours on Thanksgiving days a few years ago at the ripe age of three sits there and look us straight dead in the eye and says, I'm not thankful for nothing. Excuse me? <laughs> what? What do you mean you're not thankful for nothing? And we have family over, right, that you're trying to impress, that you haven't seen them all year long, and it is our third child, so we think we should have this thing in the bag already. We should know how to parent, and this kid is not budging. I'm gonna ha I have to take out October candy, and I have to bring it to the table, and I have bribery that's getting ready to happen. I really start, and after negotiation and some bribery, he finally looks at us and says, I'm thankful for my shoes. Oh my gosh, okay. Thank you that we got there. I'm so thankful that we got somewhere. But have you ever showed up to the Thanksgiving table and thankfulness isn't exactly the first thing that's flowing out of your mouth? That you show up to the Thanksgiving table and you just spit out the first random thing that comes to your mind because somebody asked you and you're hoping they don't look your way, that you show up to the table and you are just full of chaos. Life hasn't treated you great this year. You are full of shame. You are full of hurt. And you spit out the first random thing that you can think of and you pray to God that nobody sees you and that what you've given out of your mouth for what you are thankful for is sufficient enough for them to move right by you so that they can can move to the next person on the table because life just hasn't treated you well and you don't know what else to do right here in that moment. You just feel so much shame on the inside of you. Have you ever showed up to a table and you didn't exactly know what else you were supposed to do? Ashamed of situations that are happening in your life. Ashamed of your financial situation. That that business that you have is getting ready to close its door but it was a dream that you opened a few years ago. That you are on the verge of bankruptcy but you are so ashamed 
ashamed that you don't actually want to admit it. You're ashamed that this Thanksgiving you are assigned one of the more expensive items to bring to the Thanksgiving table, but you don't even know how you're going to afford it this week. You show up ashamed time after time that you have to show up to this table this upcoming Thursday and you have to admit for the third time that you dropped out of school and you don't know and you don't want to hear any of these questions, that you don't actually know what you're supposed to do. And those kids that you raised to be God-fearing adults, they're acting all sorts of crazy. They are not who you raised them to be and sharing all sorts of funny things over social media. And you know grandma and grandpa are about to show up this Thanksgiving asking you questions about why they aren't here and why are they acting all funny. And you're ashamed of the situation because you don't actually have an excuse. Ashamed that you have to yet again show up with no significant other, with nobody to introduce to the family because the person you were dating isn't who they said they were. So you had to break that up this year and you thought this is the one that you were going to be able to show up with things on Thanksgiving and Christmas at your table. And ashamed that for yet another year, you don't have a baby announcement after years of trying and you're just sitting there in all of your hurt and all of your shame. Maybe it's something that you did. Maybe the shame that you're holding on to is something that you did. And you know what it's like to sit up day after day and night after night being held hostage by your shame, by being hostage in the dead of the night and you don't know what else to do. Ashamed and hurt. Ashamed and hurt. And what do you do when it's true? You can fight back a lie. But when the shame that you're holding on to is true, what do you do with that? Thankfulness isn't exactly the first thing that's flowing out of your mouth. I can think of a few words that are flowing out of your mouth, and none of them are Thanksgiving words. None of them I'm going to repeat today. And then here comes God in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 with instructions to always be thankful. To rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in some circumstances. In all circumstances, I'm just seeing if you're tracking with me here. In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Surely when he said give thanks in all circumstances, he didn't mean this one. God, there is no way you meant this one. God, the shame of this situation, this one's bigger than you think. God, the shame of this, I can't even talk out of my mouth and declare what that is because I shake a little bit. God, remember that time that I trampled over some people at work to get to the top? You want me to be thankful for that? God, remember that time I cheated on my spouse? You want me to be thankful for that? God, remember that gambling problem that I had that has me on the verge of eviction? God, remember how I entered, the, entered rehab for the sixth time this year? God, remember how I lost it on my kids the other day in front of some church members at the grocery store and I cussed them out because I'm so tired of being a single parent and I don't know what else to do and we keep letting the shame of the situation come before us, that we keep bringing up the shame of the situation and letting those issues take over the grace, love, and mercy that he who sits high above the throne has readily available for us if we are just willing to ask. If we we are just willing to ask. One of our staff values that we, hear, that we have here as a staff that Pastor Phil and Pastor Meredith gave us a few years ago is that we are spirit-led and we are data-informed in that order. What that means is that we 
follow the hand of God first in all that we do. Whatever the spirit wants to do, however God wants to move in this church, however God wants to move through us, whatever he wants us to do, we're gonna do that first. And then we are going to use our data that we've collected to make sure that we're moving in the right direction, that we can keep this thing moving. And a few years ago, some of us were sitting around a table and we could not figure out why nobody was getting involved. We just kept going, God, we know we heard you right, but nobody's joining this thing. And do you know what the number one reason is why people do not get involved? The number one reason why people do not get involved. They were never asked. Nobody invited them to the table. Nobody extended the invitation for them to come. Nobody came to them saying, hey, can you come join this thing? So just like you who is waiting on an invitation here in the flesh, God is waiting for you to come to him with all of your shame, all of your uncertainty, and handing it over to him with every single part of you. Have you invited him to the table? Have you invited him with all of the shame? Because sometimes you just gotta ask. Have you invited him to the table that you hold yourself hostage day after day, but you actually haven't put a voice to it just yet? And here it is in Luke 17, where we started today. And we see what a simple ask can do that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and in verse 12 it says, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Where did they stand? Good, remember that. And they lifted up their voices. Some translations said they called out in a loud voice. And I I can imagine their desperate cries being like that of the dead of the night when we're crying out. And they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Leprosy, for those of you who don't know, is a highly contagious disease. And I really wish that I had the time today to really dig into what this meant back then culturally. But it's not like the flu or something that we have today. They were outcasted. They had to stay by themselves. They had shame all over them. It is highly contagious. There's things that cover them from head to to toe. There is an upper respiratory issue that happens. There's a skin issue that happens. It impacts their peripheral nervous system. It impacts their speech, it impacts their eyes, it impacts every part of their body, and still right here with their loud voice, they come to Jesus in their pain, covered in their shame, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They came to the master covered in their shame, covered in the whispers of the table with no words of thanksgiving flowing out of them naturally, but they came with a desperate ask for Jesus to shift their situation, to shift their mind, to remove their shame, to remove their sin, to heal them and to have pity. And from a distance, from a distance, they stood off. I remember I told you, that they loudly called out to the master in the distance and in the next verse, in verse 14, it says, when he saw them. And I'm gonna stop right there because no matter how far your shame has made you feel, no matter how long you've been staying away from his purpose, no matter how long you've kept him at arm's length distance, he will see you from your distance if you are just willing to ask, if you're willing to come to the father who sees you from right where you are with all of your shame, all of your uncertainty and say, God, I need you. God, I need you right here. He will turn your way. You are never too far gone from his voice. 
Christ. You are never to God from his mercy. He is there every single time that you need him if you're willing to call out. He sees you at that table that you find yourself sitting at this Thanksgiving. And he looks your way. And he looks their way. And the first words out of his mouth are the hardest part and also where the most transformation happens. That after the ask and after he's seen you at the distance that you find yourself at, he says to them, go, which is a verb. This is now something that you have to do, that after you have came to him with your ass, after you have found yourself at a distance that you thought you never would find yourself at, he given you a command and he says to go. You cannot go and stay still at the same time. There is action that is required from you, that you have to be able to take step after step, that you have to be willing to move, that you don't even know where the story is going to go, that these 10 had to move before they were even healed that they had to move before they even knew what was coming next, before they knew what the end of the story looked like. And he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And it doesn't tell us exactly how long or how short that journey was. There's some scholars that have thrown out ideas, but ultimately... Scripture does not tell us how long or short that journey was. And our human minds, we like to imagine that it's just this dirt path that leads us from Cornerstone Church to Kroger, and along the way, everything just fell off. That step after step, it happened immediately, and I don't want to go past the fact that we do serve a God who can do it immediately. He can do whatever he wants. I don't want to diminish the God that we serve, but sometimes there is an along-the-way journey that you have to take. There is an along-the-way journey, and that step after step, that day after day, that he will heal you, that he will meet you on your along the way journey, that he will meet you right where you need, where you need to be. He will find you there and he can do it however he wants. He could do it in an instant, but sometimes there's an along the way journey. There is an along the way journey and you don't know what it looks like. And I would be lying to you today if I told you your journey of leaving shame and finding healing from issues turned into thanksgiving immediately. I would be standing up here telling you a lie if I told you that it happened in an instant, that there's not a journey or an along the way healing that has to happen because I am a testimony of what it means to walk along the way and it is now a place that I can come with my unwavering thanks for the one who did it for me. And I'm here today, if you hear nothing else today, that if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Because at the beginning of all of this, I told you that Thanksgiving is my favorite time of the year. I even ended the debate of how you decorate. (laughs) But it wasn't always my favorite time. It actually is a place of shame and hurt for me. Because I told you at the beginning that my amazing husband put a ring on it 14 years ago on Thanksgiving Day. And that my kid, my oldest kid, our oldest kid, was born the day before Thanksgiving. But that kid is turning 15 this week. 
And if you have any good math skills, you know that the order is a little off. And right there, I would find shame creep into my life right in that moment, shame of what was going on. I would find myself for one of the biggest times of my life filled with shame of what was happening, shame of the situation. We didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't have steady jobs. We weren't even living together. I didn't even know what was going to happen. We didn't have a steady income. I didn't know left or right. And So much shame had crept into my life that I hid my pregnancy for seven months. Yeah, some of you are wondering, how did you hide that for seven months? Well, you know baggy clothes, how they're in right now? I started that trend 15 years ago because I was trying to hide in my shame. I was trying to hide behind clothing. I was trying to hide between it all because how am I going to come to a table with parents around us and letting them know that we did not follow the nursery rhyme that they they taught us, that first comes marriage, then comes the baby in the baby carriage, that we came up with all of this shame. And for years, I would find myself in this turmoil. I would find myself living in this shame. The enemy had me right there. And I want to be very clear today that the shame did not come from my family. The shame did not come from his family. And the shame did not come from having a kid. The shame came from the enemy himself in that moment. And I would find myself there in all of this distress after it spread like wildfire, because obviously, ultimately, people found out. And it spread across, across states, and it spread across countries. We have family all over the world, and I would find myself in so much shame. I didn't know what to do with myself, and there we are on Thanksgiving Day. 15 years ago, full of love at first sight, for a brand new baby boy and full of shame at the same time as family flooded into our hospital room, delivering gifts to our child, delivering gifts to me, bringing me Thanksgiving dinner so that I didn't have to eat that awful hospital food. They came in flooding in one at a time and calls came from all over the world and there I was sitting in my shame and the enemy held me right there in that moment and he whisper things in my ear that I know to be a lie today, that he would come after me and tell me that nobody cared, that people were wondering what was even going to happen. And then exactly one year later, my husband would propose on Thanksgiving Day, on our son's first birthday in front of family who loved us, and the enemy would enter back into my mind and said, people are wondering how long you're even going to last. And I remember the enemy telling me that in my ear. People are putting wagers on your marriage. People are putting bets on what this is going to do. They're wondering when you're going to split up and who the kid is going to go with. And I would find myself in turmoil. I would find myself with the whispers of the enemy flowing straight through my mind. And then there's this painting that many of us probably have in our house or that you've seen for years. You might have it, it might look like a painting in your house or it might look like a plaque, but it's a chronological order of events and milestones in your life, right? It has like birthdays on it and when you got engaged and when you got married and when your firstborn was born and you just keep adding to it year after year. It's a chronological photo. And Rachel, can you put that photo up for me? This is mine. 
And this is where shame would remain on my mantle in my house for years. Because if you look closely at this photo, I know it's a little grainy, but I don't own this thing today, and I'll tell you why in a second. But the third and fourth one are out of order. This is meant to be in chronological order, but the enemy had me so hard that I tried to change my own story, that I reversed the order in my head and reversed the order in my mantle because I wanted it to look like this. Have you ever tried to change your story? because the truth of that, the truth looks better than this, that what you wanted in reality isn't exactly what happened. And so you try to change your order. You try to change the chronological order of what this thing right here, and this thing would remain on my mantle for years. This is shame fully displayed for me, for everybody to see, that I try to change my own story, that you would never find me in a period of my life saying how long I was married and how old my firstborn was. Never in one sentence, because I didn't want people to do the math. Enemy had me so hard in my life that I went ahead and painted something that was different than the truth. That the enemy had me in my head believing that this is how it needed to happen. That this is how it was supposed to happen. That this is what people wanted to see. And I would find myself day after day in turmoil with this. And it was fully displayed in my life. Have you ever tried to unknowingly change your story because it looked better than the truth? And for years... I would find myself here until one day I walked into a small church and it was a quirky little church, but man, did they love God and they still love God. And I would walk into this church and I was fed up and I was tired and I cried out to God that day and I said, God, I am struggling with no other words outside of my mouth. I said, God, I need you. I'm struggling. And right there was my ask to God that with all of my shame, with no matter what was on my mantle, with all of the turmoil that the enemy had put me through for years, I would find myself yelling in this church, saying, God, I'm struggling and I need you. God, I need you right now. And along the way, he would heal me because he saw me after my ask from the distance that I held him at for so many years and he would meet me right there in that moment and day after day, he would find me. That sometimes there's an along the way journey that you have to take that it's not going to happen immediately but then right there he will walk with you along the way that he will start to heal you and from that moment thanksgiving started to come out of me that time after time after day after day after years after years a thanksgiving would flow highly out of my mouth because I would be able to say thank you God that I'm not where I once was thank you God that I have a son who is praising you louder than ever before who is upstairs in youth ministry right now shaking and moving different spaces who is upstairs learning some other new things and bringing it into his schools that he's able to transform spaces that I am no longer ashamed of a situation because I see what God can do I am thankful for a marriage that has stood the test of time no matter how many times the enemy tried to come after me no matter how many times the enemy tried to intervene in my marriage I can stand here today and tell you that I am healed from that that a thankfulness comes out in front of me that 15 years after my shame would enter my life that I can stand on this platform and I can tell you that he is good, that he is God, and he will meet you when you ask. He will meet you right where you are, that he will meet you every single time that you come down to him and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm struggling. 
Jesus, I need you. God has the ability to turn your shame into a beautiful testimony. If you are just willing to ask, if you're willing to invite him to the table, have you invited him to your table? Have you pushed it all away? Because maybe it's a situation that you did. And time after time, it keeps creeping back in your head. That time after time, people are reminding you about it. That time after time, you're scared to show up around the tables between Thanksgiving and Christmas and the new year because you're wondering what would happen if people found out the actual timeline. What would people say? What would people do? You feel exposed. You feel uncertain. And along the way, he transforms your story just like he did the 10 with leprosy that listened to the daunting command that said, go. And they moved, that they came to him with an ask, that he saw them from their distance, and then he said, go. And before they even knew what the story was going to look like, before I knew what the story was going to look like, they moved. I moved that thing. I don't have it anymore. The reason that picture looks a little grainy today is because I no longer own it. I threw that thing away a long time ago. I pierced some holes in that thing a long time ago. I burned that thing a long time ago because my story goes before me and God can redeem any situation. He can do it for you if he can do it for me. He can do it for you if he can do it for me. And he can do it for you. And along the way, the 10 with leprosy were healed. They were healed.